hello hello it's been a minute since we've done this yes i'm savannah i'm alicia and this is burden of proof as everybody can probably tell you still sound a little bit rough yeah i so we're about three weeks since last time we recorded because i've been sick i had bronchitis so if you hear weird cuts it's because alicia's having to (laughs) cut out my coughs Um, (laughs) i might leave that one in though (laughs) just for (laughs) Um, because obviously talking just sends me into a coffee fit, but I really wanted to record this case today. So here we are. Here we are. All right. What you got for us? I have today a very popular Alec Murdoch case. So mm. this has been super in the news. I mean, it's, I know. it's national news. And I know nothing because I know nothing. steered clear. I'm excited. Shout out to Sally, one of our listeners who asked me on Thursday when the verdict was read if we were going to cover it. And of course we are. Here we are. And so I'm super excited. I've been following it as it's been happening, but I'm excited that you don't know much. Yeah, I held off. I saw the special on Netflix, was going to watch it, but then realized with all the news and hoopla online over it that it was current and that the trial was taking place. So I decided I want to wait until everything is over yeah because otherwise i don't really like which sounds weird i know this sounds weird being a true crime person but i don't really like having to sit on the edge of my seat like anticipating something for that long yeah if it's like briefly yay that's exciting but for weeks and following trials for that long, I'm actually not a huge fan of that. It just gives me anxiety. So Yeah, I will say I'm surprised at how much attention this case has held because it really started, well, it started a really long time ago, but the, this particular case kicked up in 2019. Yeah. And so for it to still be national news now, I'm super thrilled about because I think that this case is such a good example of the privilege that still happens in certain parts of the United States today, especially the South. And so I think it's it's a fascinating case. And this case has literally everything in it to make it a phenomenal true crime story. Yeah. So if you didn't know that this was real, you'd think it was fake. And I can definitely see like movies and books and you know media being made about this case for a really long time. So it's yeah. kind of cool to see it happen now. I mean, not cool, obviously, but yeah, we know what you mean. (laughs) And I have mixed feelings about the victims in this case. So, oh, yeah, those cases are always. Yeah, it's interesting. So I think to start off, in order to really understand this case, you have to understand the area that we're in. Okay. So this is all happening in what's called the low country area of South Carolina. So it's a it's a long stretch of land, but it's not a super big part of South Carolina like it's it's weird because of how much power this family had relative to the size of their reach is fascinating to me but it's basically Hampton County South Carolina there's a couple different counties involved but that's kind of the central one that I'll name and the whole area is called low country and if you haven't gathered the Murdoch family has run low country for like over a decade since 1920 basically they oh. ran every aspect so you mean of over the law. like over a century yes okay that's what i mean <laughs> okay <laughs> by this family they 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 ran every aspect of the law wow it is intense it's honestly something that you hear about when people say like 
it sounds like the mob. It sounds like they're, yeah. you know, they're the the mafia family who runs. But it's it's just it's fascinating to me. I've never seen it in real life. You just hear stories about stuff like this. Yeah. Um, who who wants to go there? Yeah. Is and it it's like the like, kind of place where a stranger would like you're just visiting or you move no. to this area and everybody's looking at you like, who are you? Yeah. Why exactly. are you here? And we don't know the, you. I actually just watched the Netflix documentary last night because I didn't know there was a Netflix documentary about it, to be honest with you. Oh. I've just been following the trial as it happens. I didn't realize. I don't know how I missed that, but I did. And then I was doing, um, I was reviewing all my notes last night and I was like, oh, I should probably, I should probably watch that. Yeah. So I did. And in the documentary, one of the, the girls says, I think it was Morgan who said, you don't come to this area. You're born here. You live here. You, but yeah. Nobody moves here. Yeah. And so it's interesting. When I say that they ran the law, I mean that there was one Murdoch in prosecution. There was one in defense. There was one in civil. There was one in criminal. And they had ins at the police department, in investigation, in every aspect of the government. They knew somebody. Like, it, if you needed something wow. done in this town and the Murdochs didn't want it done, it wasn't happening. If they wanted you convicted, you were going to get convicted. They also had the biggest law firm in the area was started like yeah. five generations before by, I don't know his name, one of the Murdaws. One of them. In the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so. Pappy Murdaw. Pappy Murdaw. <laughs> really. So that's where we are. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go over some of the key characters and family members in the story and a little bit of an intro for you. So that way you kind of know all the names. So Randolph Murdaw is Alex Murdaw's father and he's Paul's okay. grandfather. Okay. So it goes in generational order. Randolph the third. Okay. Richard Alexander, who goes by Alec. Okay. Buster, his son Buster, which Buster's a nickname. I was going to say, is that his real name? <laughs> no, his name is, I think his name is Richard Alexander as well, I think. But he goes by Buster. But he goes okay. by Buster. Actually, now that I say that, I don't want to, don't quote me on that being his actual name. Everybody, yeah. call, everybody calls him Buster. Okay. And then Paul Murdoch. Maggie is Alec's wife. And the mom of Buster and Paul. Okay, so Buster and Paul are brothers. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. There's also a John Marvin Murdaugh. Not sure of relation. Think maybe a cousin. He comes in a little bit later. Okay. Also, his name is Alexander, but they call him Alec. But it's spelled Alex. It's annoying. Wait, ew. It, with an X. It drives me crazy because they, everybody says Alec. But it's Alex. But it's Alex. And I don't know if it's an accent thing. I'm from the South. I know lots of people who live in South Carolina. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. But I, I'm going to call him <laughs> Alec because that's what people call him. But it's spelled Alex. So yeah. I'm not crazy. I do know how to read. I promise. When you read the title, you're like, why is she saying Alec? Because that's what they call him. So. That's okay. Anyway. Interesting. So Alec was an attorney at their law firm. Buster was in law school and he wanted to follow in his father's footsteps. Maggie supposedly her kids were her whole world she was a homemaker but paul's girlfriend would later say that it seemed to her that maggie favored buster over paul okay and morgan his girlfriend's name is morgan she would say later that paul was actually closest to their housekeeper gloria and that gloria had been around since paul was two he had helped raise her raise him excuse me and um any sort of attention that paul wasn't receiving from maggie he was getting from gloria Right. He kept a picture of Gloria in his wallet. He didn't keep a picture of anybody else. 
he had one of Gloria in his wallet. So that kind of shows you yeah. their relationship. Paul also really loved his grandfather, specifically because the minute he got into trouble, if he called his grandfather, Randolph and Alec, his dad, would snap their fingers and it would go away. Yeah. For example, Paul and Morgan were heading home one night and Paul insisted on driving home even though he was drunk. He ended up crashing them into a ditch and it was really dangerous and they very well could have died. Like, it was very dangerous. Morgan reaches for her phone to call 911 because that's the first thing you do, obviously, but not if you're Paul Murdoch. He grabbed her phone, hung up the phone, and threw it out of the car. And he was like, why the hell did you do that? Because now the police are going to come. He calls Randolph, and then he calls his dad. Randolph, Alec, and Maggie show up. Before they check on Paul and Morgan, they open the back of the truck, take out all of the guns, take out the beer cans, anything that would indicate that he was driving drunk or drinking underage. And then they checked on Morgan and Paul. And they were mad at Morgan for calling the police because they were like, you were going to get him in trouble. Oh, my gosh. So that's kind of the picture of the family that I'm going to paint for you. Mm -hmm. You feel like you have a good grasp of the Murdos. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So the family had a couple different properties. They have a lot of generational wealth. So they have a few different homes. But the main property that we're going to be talking about is the hunting estate. And they call it Moselle because it's off of Moselle Road. Okay. Moselle was basically a playground for Paul and his group of friends. I mean, this was country boy heaven. It's got fishing, hunting. You know, they can just tear stuff up. They've got dirt bikes. They've got, you know, all the fun stuff that a good country family would love. And so uh, Paul had his cast of friends always hanging around there. Right. So the cast includes (laughs) Morgan, his girlfriend, her two girlfriends that were like her best friends. Her name was Miley, her boyfriend, Connor, and then Mallory and her boyfriend, Anthony. Okay. Okay. Connor and Anthony are technically cousins. Okay. So they have some family in common. And they were all dating each other, but they had known everybody prior to everybody starting to date. Right. Well. I feel like everybody's been in a friend group like that where everybody's dating each other and it's just weird. I was always friend group adjacent. Yeah. (laughs) I was never. And I always thought that was weird. Yeah. It happens. Like everybody's just dating each other and and then you break up and it's just a mess. But. That is Paul's group of friends, and that's going to be our main... Yeah. Well, it's a small town. It well, is, yeah. sort of a small town, so you, you kind of have no choice but to date like that when... You yeah, know, exactly. The pickings are slim. Pickings are slim. Um, And so they party a lot, and what do you do in a small town? You drink. Yep. Right? So Morgan didn't come from a family of drinkers, really, And her family had moved to Hampton, and it was weird because nobody moved there. And that's, I think, why she said it. So her parents never really understood this, but Paul's family drank, and they provided alcohol to these young kids all the time. Wow. Yeah. So Paul, though, was a very different person when he started drinking. His friends actually gave him a nickname for when he was drunk. They called him Timmy because they said he was such a different person. That he needed a different name. And Anthony, who was at one point Paul's best friend, said that people thought that he was terrifying when he was drunk because he would just look through you. Mm. But Anthony yeah. justified it by saying he was just trying to understand what you were saying because that's how drunk he was. 
Or was it? <laughs> or was it that he's scary? I yeah. don't know. And Morgan's parents always thought that he was drinking to get away from something because they just thought, like, nobody just drinks like that. Yeah. So, interesting. Morgan's best friends, Mallory and Miley, like I said, they didn't like Paul. And we all know how I feel. If your best friends don't like your boyfriend, that's a red flag. Pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your best friends are some of the best judgment you can have. So true. So while, yes, the case that we're talking about today covers the murder of Paul and his mom, Maggie, spoiler alert, but in order to get the whole picture of that case, it is important that you have background on his friends and the boating accident. So that's what we're going to talk about now, because the whole reason we're in this situation is because of this boating accident. Okay. So trust me, you'll understand the case fully by the end of this episode. Right now, you're probably really confused. You're okay. like, why are you giving us all of this, you know, preliminary? Because it's important. Yeah. Paul was abusive to Morgan, especially when he drank. Not shocking. No, that's not the first shocking. thing that came to mind when you mentioned his drinking. Yes. When he wasn't drunk, he was very emotionally manipulative. He would break up with her and get back together with her regularly. Uh. Um, but when he drank, it became physical. So if you want a play-by-play timeline on how they ended up in this boating accident, that is what you should watch the Netflix documentary for. Okay. Two full episodes out of the three are mostly about the boating accident. And I think that they did a wonderful job covering it. I'm going to give a summary, a pretty detailed summary, but if you want to hear their versions of it, it's very emotional. It's it's a really sad story, but... All right. The group of friends in late February 2019 decided they were going to take the boat down the river to this oyster roast that they were going to that one of their friends was having. Oyster roast is pretty normal in the South when it's cold, and it was February, so that's just kind of what yeah. they did. So they met up. They pre-gamed before they left, so they were already drinking. They got in the boat. Paul drove the boat down the river quite a ways. Anthony even said, like, I've been on the river a lot, but this was further than I've really been. But Connor and Paul knew where they were going. Okay. So they took the boat out to the oyster roast. They did the oyster roast, and by the time it was over, it was like midnight. Apparently, several people said it was too late for them to be out on the boat. Yeah. They were too drunk, and it was too cold. Yeah. They were going to be freezing, and the water was freezing cold. They said, do not drive the boat back. Well, no one told Paul Murdon no. Yeah. I I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Don't tell Paul how to live his life. Nope. And so he was insistent that they would just take the boat back. Now, I think their friends were kind of like, okay, well, even if we take the boat, we'll convince them to let Anthony or Connor drive. They're not that drunk. Like, they're, they, were, they can drive fine. Right. But no, Paul would not let Anthony or Connor drive the boat. He was insistent that he was, he said it was his boat. No one else could drive it. So then Paul got it in his head that he wanted to stop at a bar So for those of you who don't live near water or haven't been to like a beach and been out on a boat a lot, a lot of beach towns will have drive up dock up bars. Mm -hmm. So you can drive your boat, dock it, get out, go to the bar, have a few drinks, presumably not enough to get drunk or have a DD. And then you go back and you just drive your boat off. It's pretty cool. I've been to a few of them. They're fun. So I'm assuming that's kind of the situation we were looking at here based off of security camera footage. It kind of looks like that's the case. Yeah. So they docked. Paul drank even more. Nobody else wanted to stop. He was the only one who wanted to stop. 
Yeah. Because they were all like, no, it's freezing. Let's go home. You're drunk. Again, leaving the bar, Paul insisted on driving. Everybody tried to get him to take a car home and leave the boat, but he wouldn't leave the boat. He didn't feel like he could leave it there safely. So they start leaving and they're going pretty slow at first, but Paul kept walking away from the wheel. So Anthony and <laughs> Anthony and Connor would like lean over and make sure they were going straight. Yeah. And then technically at this point, Morgan and Paul were broken up. So they had this on again, off again relationship. This day they were off. Okay. But she starts fighting with him over driving the boat. She starts saying, like, don't let like let Anthony or let Connor drive. Like, yeah. don't drive the boat. But this is the first time that their fight really escalated in front of their friends. Because he ended up calling her some really rough names and then he slapped her. Gotcha. So the tensions were really high because this is the first time they're seeing the physical abuse in person. Like, can you just imagine yourself on this boat? Like, you've been around friends when they're fighting with their significant others. It's always awkward. Yeah. And then this whole... Like, what do you do? It's just so what do you do? uncomfortable. Especially when you know he's belligerently drunk. Yeah. What do you do? So basically, because of how awkward it was in the in the tension, the boat they started going faster to get home. Yeah. So normally, if you've not if you're not somebody who rides on a boat pretty often, when you're going at a little bit above idle speed, you're pretty much parallel to the water. You're floating in the water, but the minute that you kick it into any higher gear, the nose of the boat comes out of the water, and it feels yeah. a lot more intense inside the boat. Mm-hmm. It's it can be scary if you're not used to being in it and it's dark and they're drunk. So they were going much faster. Paul was driving very recklessly and it was so bad that Connor grabbed Miley and he told her that he loved her and Anthony was holding on to Mallory because they were scared. Yeah. They knew it wasn't safe and they knew that they were heading towards the bridge at Cross Creek. Oh, no. They did hit the bridge and when they hit it, they were all thrown from the boat. Morgan's hand got pinned between the boat and the bridge. Connor had hit a fishing pole mount and he had a huge gash and a broken jaw. Miley and Anthony got out of the water. Anthony had a shoulder injury, but they all they could freaking think about was the fact that nobody could see Mallory. Yeah. So even though Anthony had an injured shoulder from the crash, he kept going in the water and he was looking for Mallory. Paul got out of the water. He basically took off his clothes and he was half naked and all he cared about was calling his grandfather. Of course. Anthony did get very angry at Paul because he knew that it was his fault and they did not find Mallory. So Connor calls the police. There's a ton of law enforcement there. And Paul convinces a police officer to let him call his dad and Randolph. And when he gets on the phone with his dad... He instantly tells him that Connor was the one driving the boat. Well, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the police are already there, so they can't. Yeah. Like, what else? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Anthony never leaves. The police get there. The ambulance take everybody else to the hospital. Anthony does not leave. He calls his parents. His mom and dad are there. And when they get to the hospital... And they take Paul's blood alcohol at levels. He was three times over the legal limit. Mm -hmm. But his first thought was still to tell them that Connor was driving the boat. So how deeply is it ingrained in him 
to cover up any mistakes he makes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you raise your kids to not be held accountable for anything. Yeah. The second they mess up, that's that's their go-to. Start blaming him. So at the hospital, Morgan's having a procedure done on her hand. Connor and Miley are there being checked out. Connor can't really talk very well. He said his front teeth were behind his back teeth. His top teeth were behind his bottom teeth. And Anthony, still at the crash site. He would not leave without finding Mallory. He calls his parents. His parents get there. And it's been a few hours at this point. And his mom, Renee, is the only reason that Mallory's parents were ever called. All of the law enforcement officers there and nobody called the missing girl's parents. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to leave that alone for just a minute. Back at the hospital, Morgan is being questioned by a police officer during her procedure on her hand. She said at this point she realized that it was an investigation and not just a rescue mission. Yeah. Then Alec and Randolph get to the hospital. And Randolph goes into the room where Morgan is having her procedure done. And he tells her nurses, nobody is to talk to her and I am acting as her guardian. As her guardian, not like her Mm -hmm. attorney, but her guardian. Well, yeah, he said he was her representation and that he was acting as her guardian. Okay. She promptly tells the nurses, do not let him or Alec or Paul in my room. But that's how confident he was that he was just going to walk in and he was going to say, I'm her guardian. Listen to me. Nobody talked to her. Wow. Yep. They'd been dating like four years. So she was she knew his family pretty well at this point. But she did say at that point. She knew it was done, and she told them not to let them in her room. But Alex and Randolph were very insistent that they see everybody in the hospital. They went into each room as they could, trying to get their story straight. They made sure that nobody spoke to Paul because of how drunk he was, and they made it obvious that they were going to make it seem to everybody like Connor was driving the boat. At one point, he went up to Connor in a wheelchair and whispered in his ear, I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. We're going to take care of you, Connor. Oh, my gosh. Anthony, who was still at the crash site, was telling anybody that asked him or who would listen that Paul was driving. Yeah. Apparently, one of the nurses also pulled Morgan's mom aside and told her, hey, mom to mom, nurse to nurse, because her mom was a nurse, too. Mm -hmm. You got to keep her away from that kid because he's a mean drunk and he's hitting her. Yeah. So that's the first time that they really knew of everything that was going on. Another little side story about Randolph that makes me just want to, like, if he wasn't dead already, because he died of, like, health issues, strangle him. So, at some point, he was talking to Mallory's mom, because they did get called. Yeah. They did show up. And she was talking, and he said, Mallory, who are you talking about? And she was like, Mallory, Mallory Beach, the girl that is missing that we cannot find. She said, what are we going to do if we can't find her? And he said, oh, we all know how that's going to end up. To her mom. He knew it was her mom. Yeah. Holy crap. So, yeah. Ugh. Made me nauseous. So, three days later, three days of searching, still no Mallory. Alex sets up a meeting with Connor's parents. He calls Connor's dad, tells him to meet him at the law office. It's after dark. Alex shows him that he's turning off his phone, puts his phone in his truck. Takes him inside and says, pick a room, any room. He's like, what are you talking about? Just which one do you want me to go in? He says, I don't want you to feel like you're being set up. I want to make sure that you know 
we're not listening to you. Like, every, this is just you and me talking. And Connor's <laughs> dad was like, I was definitely being set up. Like, yeah. That's not shady. And I didn't even write this in my notes because I wasn't going to talk about it. But in the documentary, he talks about, he said that Alec was more worried about, he said, I can't think about anything else because I'm worried about how this is going to look for my son. And Connor's dad said, all I can think about is that girl's family and the missing in Mallory. Yeah. He said, I'm not worried about our kids at all. They're alive. Yeah. So basically he knew he was that Connor was being set up to be blamed. And Connor was worried that they were going to try and kill him to get away with this. He came to his parents was like, are they going to try and kill me? Because this is ridiculous. Oh, my God. They were genuinely that scared of what of the power that this family had. So five days later, still no Mallory. They were treating it like a rescue mission still. They were not treating it like a recovery mission. And this is when Renee, Anthony's mom, started to kind of have some weird feelings because they never pinged her Apple Watch. What? Nobody thought, like, okay, she has a phone, she has an Apple Watch. Even though they're in the water, you can still track location on an Apple Watch. at first. Yeah. Especially right away. And they had people out there right away. Why didn't anybody think? That's the point of having this technology. Yeah. Nobody pinged her Apple Watch. That's when she was like, it was also really weird that nobody would call her family. Yeah. Seven days after the crash, it's a Sunday. They go to church. And then the whole crew goes to the bridge where the accident happened to go. I'm assuming to go pray. They didn't really say why they were going. And then somebody came around and said that they had found her. She had hit her head in the accident and drowned and the current had carried her pretty far away. Okay. Anthony had said when he was trying to swim to find her that the current was really strong. He was having a trouble just swimming. Yeah. So this is like the most emotional part of the whole documentary. I cried the whole time, not even going to lie to you, talking about how Anthony couldn't even go to his bedroom. He slept on the couch and his mom would sleep in the living room with him because he would have nightmares. Mm -hmm. So she'd stay there to be able to wake him up. And then I just kept putting myself in Miley's shoes because her best friend was taken so tragically because of somebody else's choices. Like, they all made it very clear. They would not have been in the boat if you could tell Paul no. Yeah. And they were young. They were only like, they were in their teenage years. Well, I think this is really important that it's unfortunate, but I think it's super important to tell your kids. I mean, I have one teenager, two kids that are about to turn teenagers relatively soon. And while I encourage them not to drink and do stuff, you know, and we are not my husband is a recovering alcoholic. Like, we don't have alcohol in the house. It's not a normal thing. I also have already started planting those seeds of if you ever find yourself in a position where you're out at a party with friends, even when you get older and you can go to bars and you find yourself in a position where you think, my friend's being unreasonable. I don't want to get in a car right now with this person. Anything at all, call us. Call us yeah. or call somebody else in your life that they you know. They should have gotten an Uber or something, but in yes. hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, but they didn't know. No, and I'm not blaming them by any means oh, no. because that's not 
what I didn't think that way at 19, 20, 21 years no, old. And Paul most clearly kids has this don't. habit. He drank all the time. He drove yeah. drunk all the time. Yeah. So most kids don't, but I'm just throwing that out there for any Absolutely. younger listeners. Like, no matter how much trouble you think you're going to get into, if you call your parents or you call somebody, mm-hmm. you know, a family member or whatever, it by far is not yeah. the same kind of trouble that can potentially happen should you choose to get in that car or, in this case, that boat. Yeah. So it is a really horrible story. I cried a lot. Yeah. Mark Tinsley was the Beach family civil attorney, Mallory Beach. Her family decided they were going to press charges, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he discovered that the reason that Paul had pushed them to take the boat that night instead of just driving was because he knew that there were going to be a ton of traffic stops in the county that night. Somehow he got a tip mm-hmm. between his dad's connections that they should not be on the roads tonight because there's going to be cops everywhere. Yeah. So they took the boat. Mark Tinsley had one of, uh, there were a couple times that I really liked the the lines of people that they said. And, and one of my favorite lines was one that Mark Tinsley said. He was talking about how at the crash site, there were 20 plus officers responding to the crime, but nobody thought to question the half naked drunk Paul Murdoch. He said, it's not a question of incompetence because you couldn't have that much incompetence. Mm-hmm. Mark begins to then explain how everybody involved in the investigation was actually really close to the Murdoch family. So, And even if you didn't know that, it, it would be obvious that if they're not close with the Murdoch family, they're scared. They're scared. They're not exactly. going to, oh, that's the Murdoch kid. Don't, don't, exactly. just wait, just wait, let them. Yeah, like the cop questioning them at the hospital before Alex and Randolph got there. Mm-hmm. Real close with the Murdoch family. Very convenient. So we know now that they were trying to sway the story so that Connor was driving. Well, Mark Tinsley had some experts and some engineers do the math. Based on the boat, the blood on the boat, where their injuries were, Connor could not have scientifically been driving the boat. With how he got thrown. With how he got thrown and hitting the... His face. He hit his face on the fishing pole holders mm-hmm. so there was no way it could have been him in april of 2019 people were shocked because paul was charged everybody thought that the murdoch's were untouchable they didn't think anything was going to happen but there was literally no way they were going to get around it um, and so he was charged for mallory's death despite their best efforts he got out on bond and the community was very upset because he was never pictured in handcuffs he never wore a prison uniform his mugshot was in a nice polo shirt if anybody else had done this, they would have been treated very differently. Mm-hmm. But after the death of Mallory, things in the Murdoch family get a little tense. Paul kept going like he normally was, partying and other things, and he still kept having run-ins with the law, conveniently. But his friends and the people around him knew that he was scared. He was acting a little bit more reckless than normal. Mm-hmm. Buster got kicked out of the University of South Carolina for plagiarism. He had gone back to school. Shocking. And Maggie (laughs) realized that their bills were going unpaid. Oh. It's rumored that she had hired a forensic accountant to go over their information because things were not adding up. And other people also said she had been visiting with a divorce attorney. Between the investigation for the boating accident and Maggie's concern for their finances, Alex's financial crimes were coming to light. So, somehow in... 
Paul's trial, and I say trial, but the discovery part of their right of his arrest and his charge and his prosecution, his financial records were going to be subpoenaed. Okay. At this point, he was also caught because he was a part of a lawsuit where the clients never received their settlement money. Uh-oh. This is not normal for Alec because Alex, you'll see, does commit a lot of crimes where he's stealing money from the law firm. At one point, somebody says he wasn't, a, he wasn't practicing law. He was practicing stealing money. Oh, my gosh. But this specific lawsuit hit a little bit closer to home because Alec had actually sued himself. How do you sue yourself? I will explain. So Miss Gloria, the housekeeper who had helped raise Paul. Right. Died on the property in 2018. Okay. Allegedly. She got tripped up by the dogs and fell backwards off of the porch stairs. Now, I will say, I didn't fully believe foul play in this. I still don't know how I feel about it. But I'll give you, by the end of the episode, you will have all of the information. Right. And I will, you'll make your own decision. I I know the story is weird to tell because a lot of things happen in different orders, but I'm telling you how the investigators found out about it. Found stuff. Okay. Um, So it's confusing, but I'm going to do a recap at the end so you kind of understand. So she falls backwards down the stairs. She dies. It was brutal. He tells her sons that he's going to sue himself for the insurance money because he had insurance on his property since she died on property and that he was going to give the sons the money. So he sued his own insurance on behalf of her estate. Okay, but. <laughs> I know. It's very confusing. I don't fully know the insurance. Why of it. wouldn't the sons just do that? On- I guess they didn't have the money and he was representing it because he was the attorney. Okay. So the whole point was that he would get the money from the insurance payout because it was his yeah. insurance policy. So and they then- wouldn't pay it out to the sons. They would have to pay it to him. Right. So that's why he sued himself. Right. Does this make sense to the class? I mean, yeah, other than like the son should have just. They can't, though, because it's his insurance policy. The payout on the insurance policy would go to Alex. Okay. So he told them, okay, I'll sue myself so that we get this money and then I will give you the money. Yeah. Because you're owed this money. But because it's in my name, it's going to come to me. Yeah, I get how he's telling them it's going to work. I just yes. don't believe they're going to get the money. <laughs> oh, they don't. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I, I personally think that it could I'm questioning why they would believe that. <laughs> oh, because they trusted him. Gloria had worked for their family for 20 years. So he they had taken yeah. care of Gloria this whole time. Yeah. And again, it's the Murdoch family. You just They're going to do what they're going to do. True. Also, I don't fully believe that the sons couldn't have sued for the money themselves, but I think that he told him that. And so. Well, that's, yeah, that's. Ugh, whatever. It's so stupid and it doesn't make any sense. But the payout of the insurance company was over $4 million and the sons never saw a dime. Of course. So when all this stuff comes out, they find an attorney and they're like, this is really weird. And they're like, yeah, this is really weird. Hopefully that it's just like in a trust account somewhere and it just never got to you. Let's just let's just ask. And they were completely ignored. So hmm. Alex had kept the money for himself. Of course. Let's move on to June of 2019. That was April-ish, I think. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard to tell. I don't remember. But in June, June 7th, two years later, 
So, yes, it was in, like, the spring, but it's two years later. Mm-hmm. That was in 2018. 2019. <laughs> I'm I a little see, dumb. I can see your math's not mathing. It's not. Hold on. I have a timeline here. Let me just pull it up. <laughs> I told you there's just too much. Gloria died in 2018. Right. You had gone back. The it, boat back was in, in 2019. The boat was. I, I was tracking Sorry. with you. I yeah. wasn't tracking. <laughs> you just weren't tracking with yourself. It's okay. I also, I will say, I this case I pulled together really fast. Normally, it takes me a full week to do a case, but because mm-hmm. the guilty verdict was read on Thursday, yeah, and then I had some family stuff this weekend, like, I redid, because I've been following this from the beginning, I reworked my notes. Yeah. Like, Friday night. <laughs> so, it's a lot to keep in mind. So, anyway, 2018, Gloria died. 2019, the boat accident uh, occurred. Right. 2021 is where we are. Gotcha. So two okay. years later, in June, and it was in April, that everything had come out about Gloria. Okay. So the reason that I bring up Gloria is because, like I said, they were subpoenaing his financial records in relation to Gloria and her right. death during Paul's discovery process. How they were connected right. to the boating incident, I don't know. But that's why I brought that up. That's when the investigation found out about the weird stuff with the lawsuit after Gloria's death due to financial records being subpoenaed for Paul. Gotcha. Cool. The web that we weave. That's yes. one of the things he said in his testimony. He said, the web we weave. So I'm just quoting that. <laughs> okay. Two years later, in 2021, Paul is out on bail living his best life. They're out at Moselle. Paul, Alex, and Maggie are hanging out at Moselle. And in the evening, there's a 911 call made by Alex Murdoch. He called and, re- and hysterically reported that his wife and son had been shot. The police get there. He is instantly telling them that this was done in retaliation for the boating incident. Mm. So that was his story. He was sticking to it. The investigators then obviously go and speak with the whole crew and they were like, no, what me? <laughs> and of course, Connor and Anthony knew that they were going to they were going to try and frame them. Yeah. For this. But it didn't get that far because Morgan tells them right off the bat, don't overlook Alec Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Um, so a few days after the murders, unfortunately, Randolph passes away. And that was his alibi. He said he was visiting his father when the shooting happened. So it couldn't have been him. Hmm. Okay. So they're investigating this case, and a few days after that, the investigators then announced that they are opening or reopening the case of Stephen Smith based on evidence they found in relation to the murders of Paul and Maggie. So we have another another case here. Yeah, I was like, who's Stephen Smith? Let's talk about Stephen Smith. So this one, I wasn't even sure if I blamed the Murdoch family at first. Until they announced that they were reopening it due to evidence they found while looking at the property. Right. So in 2015, we're going back even further. Okay. 2015, a call was placed because a driver came across the body of a teenage Stephen Smith in the road who had, it looked like, been hit in a hit and run and had passed away. Mm-hmm. So okay. he was in the middle of the road and they just ruled it a hit and run because they couldn't really prove otherwise. But the rumor mill around town was that the Murdoch boys had something to do with it. Not shocking. Not shocking. So there's a lot more to that case, but I'm going to let the investigation play out on its own because a lot of it is is hearsay. And it, 
a lot of it has to do with Stephen Smith being gay. And I don't feel comfortable giving out rumors until they're for sure. Right. Said before. I don't. Uh, that's just it made me feel icky. So I'm not talking yeah. about it. So at this point, I'm going to start reading from a timeline that the New York Times did because it's like I you can tell it's very confusing here. So basically, in August of 2021, Duffy Stone, who was the region's like number one prosecutor for like a while since like 2006, he was a big gun in that area. He recused himself from the case, stating to the state attorney general that he had worked with Mr. Murdaugh and he had worked under Randolph and that Mm -hmm. he couldn't prosecute the case. So now the state attorney's office is having to prosecute the case, which is fine. Okay. Um, And I think that that's for the best because I think that they handled it fairly well, considering. Yeah. So that's August 11th. September 3rd, Alex Firm sits him down and they said, we know of all of the embezzlement at this point, Mm. you have to resign. And September 4th, there are some more 911 calls made, including one from Alec himself, reporting that he had been shot on the side of the road. His story originally said that he was changing a tire, somebody stopped to help him, and then he was shot. He was shot in the head, and they actually ended up airlifting him to a hospital in Savannah, Georgia. On the phone, he says he's okay, But he gets lifted via helicopter to Savannah, Georgia, the hospital there. And then his attorneys told reporters that he was in Charleston to try and keep them from going to the hospital in Savannah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Two days later, after that, he puts out a statement stating that he had lied and he was sorry and he was going to rehab because, drumroll please, he's addicted to opioids. (laughs) Of course. And a lot of people didn't know that until this moment. Well, yeah, it's kind of one of those drugs that you can get away for a while without people catching on. Yeah. Or they might suspect something's off, mm-hmm. but they can't quite put their finger on it. So everything kind of starts clicking into place now that you know that he's an addict because right before Gloria's death, she went to Paul and said that she had found Alex's drugs mm-hmm. on a family trip. And Paul was forcing him to detox. And then suddenly Gloria dies just a few days later. Mm. Actually, I think it was in within the same year, but it was relatively close to when yeah. she found out about his addiction. All of a sudden, all his financial records are being subpoenaed. They're going to find out he's stealing money and they're going to ask him what it's for. Yeah. So he said on September 14th, so about a week and a half later is she gets out of rehab. And he says that he hired a man named Curtis to shoot him because that way Buster, his surviving son, would receive his life insurance policy. So he's trying to set up Buster. But set him up with money, not set him up. Yes, with money. (laughs) Not set him up the way he's setting up other people. Not the way he set up Curtis. And poor Curtis is not guilty of this, but he has another one of my favorite lines from this documentary. He's being interviewed on a news channel and they ask him, did you shoot Alex? And he looks at his lawyer. His lawyer says, yeah, no, go ahead and tell him. And he said, if I shot him, he'd be dead. (laughs) (laughs) And it was it was funny. And if you look at his picture, you'd understand he looks like he would say that (laughs) for sure. Yeah. So September 15th, the day after that, the investigators and the law enforcement officers announced that they are going to be looking into Gloria's death. And it's since since then, they have approved the exhumation of her body because she was never autopsied. 
Never autopsied, even though it was like accidental and she fell downstairs. And it was listed as natural causes, even though it was a slip and fall. Oh, my God. And actually, the coroner is who found out about that. And she wrote a letter and said, I think we should exhume her body because this is wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. All of this is coming out because they're doing investigations for the murder of Paul and Maggie. Yeah. And I think it goes to show that they probably weren't as good at covering up these crimes as they thought they were. They just, nobody was asking questions. And now that they're asking, it's all right here. Yeah. So September 16th, 2021, he was arrested and charged with fraud and conspiracy for the suicide scheme. His lawyer said he was struggling to stop using his painkillers and that he wanted to check into a rehab facility. So the judge allowed him to, they released him so that he could go to rehab, but he made him surrender his passport. So couldn't go anywhere. Gotcha. He was then arrested at a Florida detox facility and charged with the swindling of money of um, Gloria's sons. Ah, yes. So he's jailed in Richland County, South Carolina, and his bond is denied twice. So some people were confused by the fact that he wasn't charged with the murder of Paul and Maggie yet. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain why it's obvious that he did it, but whatever. And the reason that he wasn't charged is because they had him in jail. He was in jail. He wasn't going to hurt anybody else. Yeah. And they needed to make sure they had all the right evidence. Right. So even though we're like a few months away from them charging him with that and two years out from the murders, well... Not to, but anyway, a while. Criminal law takes forever. It's so frustrating. I know. It's hard to wrap your mind around when you're researching or doing these. You're like, wait, it it took that long to get to the trial? It took that long for the trial? Like, Yeah. yeah. And this one happens relatively quickly in the grand scheme of things because I've seen it where it takes years for them to do anything. And they end up, I mean, it still takes them two years to get through everything, but I think that, I mean, his trial only lasted six weeks. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad. So, anyway, that's why he wasn't charged yet, was because they they already had him in jail, and they needed to make sure they had all their ducks in a row before they charged him. Right. So, that's October of 2021. In December, um, a judge sets his bond at $7 million, and the his attorney says, that, well, yeah, he agreed to pay... Gloria's sons, the $4.3 million that he was awarded, thinking that that would, like, get him out of jail, I guess. No, he stayed. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You didn't pay him when you should have, when you got the money. Exactly. So that was December 2021. We're going to jump to June 2022. Okay. Mr. Murdaugh is indicted on two conspiracy counts, including one related to his drug use. and It's oxycodone, or okay. oxycodone, excuse me. Yeah. Um, I don't know the difference. There might not be a difference. I don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do any drugs. I'm too scared of the law. I love that that's your answer, not like drugs are bad. Oh. Drugs ruin your life. <laughs> it's just I'm too scared of the law. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drugs are bad. They will ruin your life. But mostly I'm scared of the cops. <laughs> you just need to get connected with the Murdoch family. <laughs> You'll be all For good. Real. So that's June, July 2022. He is indicted on two counts of murder 
and his prosecutors say that he shot his wife with a rifle and his son with a shotgun. One of them was shot with an AR-15. So it was it was bad. Mm. And Paul was not recognizable. He was shot in the chest first and then in like the neck and the head area a second time. And then Maggie was shot while running away. So it's a, it was a horrendous crime. So she knew. Yeah, I think I he think didn't even he like caught he shot Paul first and then shot her. Oh I don't know gosh. for sure. It's a lot. He pleaded not guilty. He still claims that he's innocent. Spoiler alert. He did it. And they proved wow. that he did it. Let me just say that. So that's July, December. They indicted him on nine counts of tax evasion. And the attorney general's office claims that he has defrauded a range of people for about eight and a half million dollars. And they are piling those charges on, my boy. How many pills can you take? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. Oh, my gosh. So January 23rd, jury selection begins on the homicide charges. And on March 2nd, 2023, Alec is found guilty of murdering his wife and son. Yay. Everybody take a deep breath because we're going to recap everything that we just talked about because that was a lot and even I got confused. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think I followed everything. The only part that got muddled was the, the dates. Yeah. But, that, but you had explained that you were going based on what they found in the investigation, yeah. not necessarily the true timeline yes. of events taking place. So, so now I'm going to tell you the true timeline so you can kind of really grasp it. Okay. 2015, Stephen Smith is killed. Yes. 2018, Gloria falls down the stairs. Yes. 2019, Mallory dies in the boating accident. Right. 2021, Paul and Maggie are shot. Right. A lot of crimes. Yeah. This is a lot. Like, and, and, and not to mention um, stealing money from Gloria's sons, stealing money from his clients regularly mm -hmm. at the law firm, drugs, copious amounts of drugs, underage drinking... I'm mm -hmm. sure based on the amount of guns in the home and the type of guns in the home, there are something related to that. This is an insane amount of crime. And I might have missed it, but the reason he shot... I have a paragraph about that. Okay. So you're getting to that? Yes. Okay. So some people have trouble understanding the motive. Right. My dad and I were talking about the motive because it's a little confusing because you're like, why, why, why did you shoot them? Yeah. The answer is that because of his son's crime that resulted in the death of Mallory Beach, it was going to result in his utter downfall. He was going to be destroyed. His entire family's empire would have imploded because his wife had noticed that they were not rich anymore. <laughs> She was going to divorce him, and they were subpoenaing his financial records. So if he shot Paul, Paul's case would then go away, and then they couldn't subpoena his financial records. I mean, they could if they really wanted to, dude, but it's fine. You're an attorney. You should know that. And if he shot Maggie, she couldn't divorce him and out the fact that he was addicted to opioids yeah. and stealing money from his clients. So he's thinking, okay, I'll just kill two humans with... Guns. <laughs> I was going to say two kill birds with one stone, but that just didn't seem right. <laughs> to kill two humans with two different guns, and then all my problems will go away, and I'll just blame it on the boating accident, and I'll just pin it on Connor or Anthony. 
It just... <laughs> and hypothetically, if he's already gotten away with two other crimes, two other murders, he's yeah. thinking he can get away with these two. Yeah. Again, I don't know for sure if they had anything to do with Gloria or Stephen Smith, but I think the Attorney General's office knows for sure, and I think they're going after them for it. Yeah. It's hard to believe that it wouldn't be. Yeah. Connected. So... Let's talk a little bit more about the discovery of some of the evidence okay, and the proof that he did it. Okay. I didn't tell you that. I just told you that he shot them. <laughs> yeah. After the charges were made, law enforcement starts searching the property and a YouTuber decides he's going to pull his, put his drone over the property and look. After he looks through the footage, he clearly captured John Marvin Murdaugh and Buster Murdaugh loading over eight different guns and a bunch of other things on the property into a truck and leaving. So that's number one. Number two, I don't know exactly what kind of fluid, but there was some sort of liquid on Alex's clothing Okay, at the time of when they found him that places him there when the accident happened. When, when, when the, they were shot. I said accident when they were shot. When okay. Number two, his whole story comes crumbling down because he said that the reason he couldn't have done it, his alibi was that he was visiting his dad in the hospital right. and his mom has Alzheimer's, and so he was visiting them. But there's a video of him at the property at the time he said he was at his parents, and there's an audio clip from a video of him talking to Maggie relatively close to the time of the crime. So logistically, he was that he lied. He was can there. we all just can we all just agree that the reason that the Murdaws got away with everything they did for so long was because of his father? Yes, <laughs> and that he's a moron. Yes, he's an idiot. <laughs> he also took the stand. Oh, at his own no. defense and i watched like a little over half of it it's three and a half hours long and i just he's i'm gagging you can't tell um i'm gonna show you before we end this podcast at the end i'm gonna show you his mugshot because oh is, i can only imagine because the netflix special it comes up it comes up on the Ugh. you know the like featured things and it's just his face and his dead blank it's eyes dead eyes for yeah. me yeah yeah, so I, I will admit I should probably have done a little bit more digging into what kind of fluid was on his shirt that made him uh, guilty in being there. I'm just going to be honest. I didn't do it, and I forgot, and I'm sorry. Whoopsies. He was there. He did it. We all know he did it. Uh, yeah. The videos prove that. Um, yeah. And he's in different clothing than what he was in when the crime committed. Like, he changed clothes. So yeah. they found the clothes. On the stand, he admitted about lying the last time he had seen Maggie and Paul. He said that the reason he lied was because he was on drugs and it made him paranoid. And that once he started lying, he just kind of had to keep lying. So that's that. He also kept chewing something on the stand and it was disgusting. <laughs> Very disrespectful. Guilty. Guilty. You um, chew with your mouth open. <laughs> yeah. Guilty. The common belief was that he was using the money that he had stolen from clients to buy drugs. But that would have been a lot of drugs. That's why, <laughs> that's why earlier I was like, how many pills do you need? How many? Yeah, it was like, too many drugs. So 
I'm curious to see when they do the trial for his financial crimes, what he was doing with that money because that's too many drugs. <laughs> that's too many. <laughs> it's too many drugs too for one drug. man to take. Too much drug. <laughs> um, I plan on covering his white collar crimes when they come as it happens in a few years. Okay. Um, it's fascinating to me. This whole case is insane. There's so many moving pieces. Yeah. So the we're recording this on March 5th. The mm-hmm. verdict was read on the 2nd. I have not had enough time to go through all of the court paperwork. Yeah. I'm going to go through it, but I think it's pretty straightforward. I'm going to go through it and see if there's anything interesting or anything cool that I want to talk about with you guys. We'll do like a little mini-sode once mm-hmm. I've had a chance to review it, there's just not enough hours in the day to have gone through everything already. Um, I watched a lot of it as it came out, but I don't feel like I have a full picture. So I want to just take the time and go through it. Yeah. But I think it was pretty straightforward. I don't think that there's going to be much that's super interesting. Everybody who had something, some sort of connection to the Murdoch family recused themselves. And the evidence that pointed him there was pretty pretty spot on i mean there's videos of him being there his story was a lie he admitted to lying on the stand um there's just not really much more to say yeah he did it and he did it to avoid being caught for his financial crimes which he then got caught for because he killed them (laughs) so yeah yeah fascinating story and then poor buster's just out there not poor buster i don't know buster's fine Buster's fine. He's a little ginger menace. <laughs> Whole family's ginger. Yeah. So. Nothing wrong with gingers. Nothing wrong with gingers. Okay. I your your mom's kind of a ginger. Yeah. I used to be kind of ginger. Uh, nothing wrong with gingers. I'm just saying it's important to me that you know that he's a ginger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a there's a stigma around ginger, so let's not. Well, let's I'm not-, not saying that gingers have no souls, but I'm saying that this one I don't think does. <laughs> Well, yeah. I don't think Alec does, no. No. But Buster, it sounds like Buster stayed out of most of the trouble. He might have been involved in the first guy. Buster was very involved in Stephen Smith, I think. Yeah. But then he learned his lesson and he went off. Did he, though? I don't know. No. I'm trying to give Buster the benefit of the doubt, okay? This man? You're trying to tell (laughs) me that this man, you're giving the benefit of the doubt? (laughs) I showed her a picture. Um, well, I just want to see, what does Paul look like? Oh, you want to see Paul first? Oh, I guess. I already know what Alec looks like because his face was plastered all over Netflix. Here's Paul Um, during some of the hearings for Mallory. Mm, that is not what I expected. So there's Alec and Maggie and Paul. Also, he calls him Pawpaw. Like, Alec calls Paul, Papa. That's what I call my grandfather, so it's kind of weird to me. And then this is the this is the version that's, that's going to haunt my nightmares. When he shaved his head in jail. <laughs> the lady. lady in the back. <laughs> Here's a whole slew of them. That's his mugshot that's terrifying. Look at me and tell me that man is not evil. How? He's evil. Why is his hair... I don't know. So blonde there. I don't know. That's Curtis. If I'd have shot him, he'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. That's Gloria. Oh, she always Gloria. had a McDonald's sweet tea in her hand. So that made me She happy. looks like she would always have she a is. McDonald's sweet tea in her hand. 
And then this is the picture of when he was first arrested. So the man has changed a lot. Yeah, because that first picture you showed me, his hair was very red. And I know redheads, like, because they, they don't go gray. They go white. Well, the but that's not white. Picture, that's, like, blonde. Here's where he's more red, too. I think yeah. a lot of it is, like, as he's going gray, but. Yeah, but normally they go, like, white. I don't know. Maybe, well, it, maybe white, it just I think loses. Started, the white, I think, started after he shaved his head. So maybe it came back white. That man is evil. I'm not going to lie. He looks, yeah. Ugh. Well, bleh. Coraline His wife eyes. actually looked yeah, pretty no, nice. Yeah, she looks nice. Yeah, if you want to just be really angry, watch his testimony. It's it's pisses me off so much. So that is the preliminary story of Alec Murda. Well, that was just awful. I know. I don't feel like it's the best case I've ever covered just because there's so much like confusing information. Well, yeah, that's not how I meant that but oh well that's not, yes i didn't take it like that i'm just okay telling you. yeah you i'm did. going on record and saying i'm not you did a good job thank you it's very confusing it's just an awful case yeah. like it's just i don't know obviously it's true crime it's murder it's always awful yeah but this whole the whole family is so icky though yeah like that's the thing that it adds an icky factor when you're like really that's why you can't like yeah you you killed your family, your wife and your son, to cover up your other crimes that were f- far less heinous. Yeah, than shooting your wife and son. Yes, I agree. It's a lot to process. Like to me, that's more callous, and I have less forgiveness for something like that than I do for people that are like, I just got desperate and I needed money and I killed for insurance money. Like that road, not that that's okay by any means. Yeah. But like, I know what you're saying. That makes more sense. I feel like more people could fall into that desperation than, than the I have screwed up repeatedly and but i'm willing to kill to cover up what i've already done wrong instead of just being accountable however like we said at the beginning when you're raised he was raised by a father who i'm sure always bailed him out of everything Mm -hmm. so he just feels like oh i can never i can mess up but it can't ever i can't ever be caught i have to have dad like is just icky yeah, I'm sure. So I my heart just goes out to Mallory's family because like she was just a sweet girl and well, yeah, I feel for all those involved. Yeah. Steve, whoever you are. Steven. Steven Smith. Gloria. Yeah, especially Gloria. She like devoted her life to this family and I know we don't know for sure, but it's hard to yeah, it's hard to tell. They did have a lot of dogs. So for her to say she got tripped up and fell, like, I, I kind of get it. It's just very inconvenient that she had found his drugs at the same time within, yeah. like, a year of that. And and they did an autopsy and it was listed weird. So it's just, we'll see how that pans out. And I'm kind of in the same boat about the Stephen Smith thing. Like, on one hand, I think, yes. Do I think that Buster and Paul were capable of, you know, somehow killing steven and then just leaving it and it never turning That's into so anything cliche isn't it yeah so cliche for the 
the rich kids to like accidentally kill another kid and then cover yeah. it up and then well, I mean we'll just I have know to what see. you did last summer. <laughs> we'll just have to see how it plays out because I I don't I don't know, but I do think that it's interesting that they suddenly have enough evidence to reopen both cases. Yeah. So but I hope you feel like yes. you understand why everybody's talking about Alec Murdoch now and you understand that this was a massive case and I think that it'll be fascinating to see all of the coverage over the years. Agreed. Thanks for bearing with me. Good job. Thanks. I tried. It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next till time. Till next time. Till the mini-sode. Yeah. If there's not going to be a mini-sode, I'll tell you in the next uh, episode. I'll tell you. There wasn't anything worth talking about or something. I'll let you know. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. We'll we tell already you. have our next few recordings. Oh, so at some point. <laughs> at you'll some hear point. about it. You'll Just hear. pay attention. <laughs> yes. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com. Thank you.